Kyle's Eternal Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be covering the Babylon 5 Season 4 episode, Conflicts of Interest. So this episode, uh, while it does further relatively three plots along, its main focus is on Garibaldi and getting him into a place for uh, the coming future. Um, so let's cover the side stuff first, such as uh, Ivanova. You know, she's trying to get uh, the voice of resistance through uh, through the blocks that Earth uh, has, uh, has put in place, the jammers. Uh, and I, I, I like it how she she's so focused on this, she doesn't see the obvious answer in front of her. Very relatable. Uh, you know, sometimes you need a new pair of eyes to see the obvious because you're just so focused that you don't, you don't notice it because you're thinking three, four steps ahead, whereas the other person is looking at it from an outside perspective and going, no, 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 this is the answer. So when Steven comes in and he's like, hey, why not use Epsilon 3? Ivana was like, of course, it's the most obvious answer. Why didn't I think of it? You know? Um, and she goes down to negotiate using it. Uh, and, of course, we meet Zathras's brothers. Or at least brother. But he's got many. Uh, and they're all pronounced exactly the same. And they all look exactly the same. It's a wonderful little joke. Um, and it's nice to see Zathras back for just a little bit. Even if it isn't the same Zathras. Uh, and he, he's got a brilliant speech about, you know, how is stepped on much like he is you know it, it harkens back to uh, you know uh Zathras most likely will have a tragic end except there will be symmetry <laughs> um so it, it, it's just very classic Zathras and then when she gets it activated uh she's got that great speech at the end about how you can't kill the truth uh, and it's, it, it is very, very apropos, I guess, to uh, current events, but uh, even to just ordinary thinking of the truth. You can dilute the truth, you can change it and warp it, <laughs> you can attempt to kill it, You can, but you can't bury it for long. Eventually, the truth will come out, and it will be an unbiased report of what's going on. Uh, and... You, it may not look favorably on you. And that, and that is the point of them, is that if a propaganda machine is attacking them, then they need to fight back with the truth in hopes that something gets through. Uh, and then then Sheridan's part of this episode, um, he is being very idealistic. Um, so... He wants to have the rangers patrol the borders of a uh, particular, uh, uh, you know, nation. So, like the Narns, the Centauri, some of the League of Underland Worlds, to put a stop to the Drock attacks uh, in any other miscreants out and about uh, to help maintain the peace. And his idealism is causing the issue here is because as Jakar and Londo both correctly point out this can very well be seen as a power grab they know him better than anyone you know they understand that that is not his wish they've been they've been there fighting with him for a very long time but from an outsider's perspective or just from a perspective of someone who's politically minded this looks like a power grab to build his own empire 
um, because the Rangers are loyal to him and the Lynn. So, uh, he, he has to work through that idealism and sort of get Jakar and Londo to work together. And he's right, you know, it's easy to bond together with a common enemy, you know, uh, the, the classic, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, um, you know, so it is so easy to do that, but it is even harder to bond together and work together when there is no common enemy, uh, instead of isolating yourself and becoming selfish and self-absorbed and looking out for yourself, looking out for others has its own benefits, but sometimes it is, um, seen as too risky. And so getting, uh, the Narn and the Centauri to sign off on this Ranger project will be a sign that the galaxy is moving forwards towards some sort of unification and maybe get the uh, other races such as the League of Non-Aligned Worlds to sign on, uh, and everybody will, uh, be safer and uh, we'll be able to depend on the rangers but once again it is an idealistic stance um it is very much if anybody were to look at it it looks like sheridan is you know marking lines on the map so he can gain his own territory his own empire and that's not what he's trying to do but it certainly looks like that uh now the garibaldi stuff so uh, there's a lot of really good stuff with Garibaldi in this episode. Um, I really like that opening where he saves uh, saves the girl, that father. You know, and he only charges a third of his price. Um, that's very Garibaldi. And that really demonstrates, uh, as I've been trying to point out, um, is we know that there is something going on with Garibaldi. He's not quite right, but he still at times is very much like himself. Um, and this shows it perfectly. This is very Garibaldi, exactly what he would do, uh, in a normal circumstance. Um, and then Sheridan decides to push Garibaldi. And this becomes a tug of war throughout the episode, as Garibaldi and Sheridan are constantly pushing each other. They've already had a big blowout a couple of episodes ago. And now it's, it's getting worse because they are now drawing lines in the sand and saying, if you cross this line, you're going to, you know, pay for it. So Garibaldi uh, is being forced to hand in, you know, his comm, his, uh, you know, his uh, gun, his security clearance, blah, 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 which is stuff he actually uh, turned in back when he uh, resigned uh, back in uh, in the shadow of Zaha Doom in season two. So we can see that he, while still Garibaldi, uh, is not wholly acting like himself. Like, the regulations say this, so he did that one time, but now he's not doing it. And this is all a tug of war because Garibaldi pushes and pushes and pushes Sheridan before Sheridan has to push back. And Cindy and Zack there is only rubbing salt in the wound and causing the situation to get even worse. And uh, that it just leads to a situation where this is, this is a 
powder keg waiting to go off. Like, they've already had their big blowout. It could get even worse. As, as Sheridan says, you know, you operate here on my severance. I could have you kicked out at any point in time. And Garibaldi keeps pushing Sheridan's authority. Um, I like it how when Zack is sent there, Zack immediately catches, like, he only handed his primary, he didn't hand up his, hand in his backup, because it's, of course, it's Garibaldi, he's got a backup, you know, he's paranoid as all hell. And of course, Zack didn't think that he would have a backup of a backup, which is what Garibaldi does. Uh, so then he has to, to pull in the big guns. Um... When he gets the mission from Wade, uh, he is watching a Duck Dodgers episode. Uh, and, of course, we have always known he loves the Looney Tunes. That's been a thing since the very beginning. But it, it, it's notable because in this, uh, in that episode, Duck Dodgers is being fucked with by the animator. And the animator turns out to be Bugs Bunny. Uh, you know, Daffy Duck and Bucks Bunny often have a rivalry. Uh, so it, it's sort of symbolic of what's going on. Um, I know what's going on, but not everybody else does, so I won't spoil it. But it's very clear that Garibaldi is being messed with. We saw the Psychor emblem on the guy that gassed him. So we know the Psychor is involved in some sort of capacity. So, it, you know, in this analogy... Garibaldi is Daffy Duck. The Psychor is Bugs Bunny. Um, then Lise comes back into his life. Um, you know, I, I, I love that sort of continuity. And of course, that was always the plan. But I, it also feels very noir detective-y. You know, that, that one woman that keeps coming in and out of your life. Of course, Garibaldi is kind of modeled after that. Not quite, but it has similarities. Um, and he, he cares greatly for her, but, you know, he feels betrayed by her, and, and, and the, there's this great moment where they're talking, uh, you know, that, you know, she lost, she lost her child in a court case because all, all the Mars judges are Earthborn, uh, and they're appointed by Earthers, and so they are, uh, so, so, the, uh, so they favor, uh, the Earth Naturals over Mars, uh, and it's it, it's similarity to a lot of the the way our current uh, you know at least American uh, justice systems work, where um, you know a crime committed by a white man uh, is uh, seen as lesser compared to the same crime com uh, uh, committed by a black man. You know, uh, more harsher sentences. Or even to uh, child cases, you know, child custody cases like this was, uh, judges always favor the mother because it is it is a common uh, sort of held belief in society that a child can't flourish without a mother, uh, and so uh, even if the mother is toxic and horrible or whatever. You know, in the majority of the time, the father is going to lose that case for custody. Um, but anyway, uh, Garibaldi has this great moment where he's talking to her like, you know, I, I've been through all this crap in my life recently and I haven't needed a drink, not once. 
And both of them realize how significant that is. You know, he used to be an alcoholic, you know, he, you know, and there, there's no recovering from alcoholism. You are an alcoholic for the rest of your life. You're on the wagon or you're off the wagon. That's period. That's it. And he has gotten enough control over his life at this moment in time to not need a drink you know, and, uh, sh you know, that's significantly different than the time that she knew him and she was in love with him. Um, and so they both acknowledge the, um, uh, the, the triumph that is. Uh, and then the situation that he's there for, you know, he's there to guard and help them get out this vial of some sort of medicine or whatever. Um, and, He's told that there is a genetic danger to telepaths and that this is going to fix it. And the people who want control over it, you know, just really hate telepaths. But then this is thrown in our face again when the big chase sequence happens and Garibaldi figures out the people chasing them are telepaths. And uh, then before they can be questioned... They kill themselves with cyanide capsules, uh, and they intentionally avoid uh, shooting Garibaldi when they very well could have. There's this overlying deal that this does not make a whole lot of sense. Something is wrong here, and it doesn't add up, and that's the point. Um, and we're going to discover that over the next few episodes, uh, but just keep that in the back of your mind, that if... If this thing was a cure to a genetic problem found in telepaths that was going to kill them, why would telepaths want to get a hold of it and stop it? Just think about that for a second. Uh, you know, uh, as Sheridan said, it's always useful to put a lie inside a truth. Um, it, it makes it more palatable. Um, and then at the very end... Uh, uh, William Edgars officially hires Garibaldi, and I just want to make the joke that Garibaldi is now working for Alfred Pennyworth. Uh, it's the same actor. He does the voice uh, for Alfred, uh, you know, Bruce Wayne's butler in Batman the Animated Series and a lot of the other cartoons before he passed away. So um, whenever I hear that voice, it's Alfred, because uh, I grew up on Batman the Animated Series. Uh, and that, that, that sort of fosters my love of superheroes and specifically comic books. Um, and so, you know, that's the voice I read Alfred in every time I read a comic. So uh, it's just funny to me. Uh, but we'll get into that further as uh, as we get into We learn more about Edgar's as a person. Uh, but no, very solid episode. Very Garibaldi-centric uh, help me move, uh, everything forward, uh, and some enticing mysteries are set up, and we're gonna see the continuation of, uh, incoming episodes, but until then, see ya, bye!